0: everyone, and welcome to another edition of Unscripted Equity Curiosity, the podcast with Hedgeye Tech, that's me, Ami Joseph, and Andrew Friedman, Hedgeye Comms, and Hedgeye China, Felix Wang. With me today is Felix. Andrew is not with us today. Um, Felix, I'd love to talk today a little bit about, um, I guess we could call a reopening trade. And uh now, reopening has been a topic since April of twenty twenty so we 're it 's interesting to be arriving at these stages of actual physical reopening and process of renormalization and all these things here in the united states and that 's kind of a you know, big topic of the day a lot of people talk about in terms of vaccination rates and things like that and what it implies for the travel industry et cetera but china 's actually um a few steps ahead. And China went through this earlier and closed and reopened faster and is a few quarters ahead of the United States, I believe. Um, so maybe if you could help us, like in terms of the data that you see, um, whether it's in e-commerce or education or in industrial, like ISM type stuff, like or banking, um, what what is what does it look like over the last year in terms of, you know, going into shutdown and coming out of shutdown.
1: Hey, Yami, happy Friday. Um, I'd love to ask the same question back to you, but let me just say a few things on <laughs> on China. Um, so, yeah, China is a few quarters ahead of the U.S. in terms of, you know, trying to contain COVID Right now, the COVID situation in China is is a blip. It's really, it's it's pretty much contained at this point. Um, So as a result, a lot of the stores, a lot of the movie theaters, uh, a lot of the travel agencies, I would say, are opening up and trying to uh, go back to a more normalized uh, environment. And... What I'm seeing so far is, you know, the consumer is still relatively weak in China. We haven't gotten back to pre-COVID levels yet. However, uh, there's a lot of revenge spending, I call it, uh, on their minds. You know, I'm sure everyone's been seeing all the headlines coming out of there. The May holidays, that's upcoming. May holidays is just a big, big holiday week for China. And a lot of consumers have, a, have the travel bug. Um, they love, you know, they haven't been traveling last at all last year. Everyone was very fearful of what was going on with COVID. But now, because everything is more normalized, they love to travel. So travel agencies have reported, you know, a lot of triple-digit growth, whether it's in bookings, whether it's in, um, you know, AP, uh, APD. Um, all the KPI that's coming out of the travel Doing well On the e-commerce side, it's actually the reverse, right? Because last year, um, you know, people were transitioning from offline to online just because a lot of the stores were hit by COVID. They had to shut down and then they had to um, transition to, you know, to an online business. Now, not every store had the infrastructure, not every store had the support staff or the technology to go online, so that was an issue last year. Um, As a result, e-commerce saw a big jump um, relative to regular retail sales um, or offline retail sales. Now, fast forward to today, e-commerce has been slowing since, I would say, June and July. Um, on a year-over-year growth basis if you take out any kind of holiday impact. So, as a result, offline is coming back, right, because now things are opening up again, people are traveling, foot traffic is coming back uh, to the malls um, and to other retail shops. As a result, you know, e-commerce is is kind of more normalized. Now... This to some folks may be a little bit of a surprise because all I heard last year was COVID changed everything. Everything is going to be more digitized and shoppers are going to change the way they shop and become much more dependent on online channels. I completely disagree with that argument. I think online did make some, you know, online e commerce, so did make some inroads in trying to attract the, you know, trying to attract the shopper, but as you can tell by the government data lately, that has sharply reversed course. So from for the likes like Alibaba, JD, even PDD, we're looking at a more normalized environment, and you have very tough COVID-19 comps coming up. So that's kind of what's going on on the reopening side in China on e-commerce. And very quickly on movie theaters, uh, and then just sports in general. I don't know if you saw but the movie theater ticket sales um out of China are phenomenal to start 2021 uh out of three months or four months or so they already surpassed what they generated um for for what the US did in the whole year last year. Uh so you know that's pretty impressive. Uh, people are going back to the movie theaters just because, you know, again, COVID is under con- under 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 control by now. But If you look at Waterly, um, I mean, uh, the the internet space has been hit hard recently in my space, um, the China internet space, and mostly because of regulations, but also because of COVID comps. Right? People are thinking this could reverse pretty co- uh, pretty fast as we get into Q1 and Q2. Um, but you know, I think a lot of the expectations are already there. So that's you know, kind of in a nutshell, of what's going on in China. Can the I follow-up? ask a question back back at you? Because um, I, I think... oh, wait, wait, wait. I want to have follow-ups. Right, okay, first. <laughs> okay,
0: okay, So here's some follow-ups. Um, um, so on the on the internet side, right? Obviously, this is like the hot topic: the e-commerce um, comps um, did did the stocks sell off in anticipation of negative year over year data or did the so- stocks um were strong like until they actually printed the weak comp i guess that's maybe that's just a quick like detail question
1: uh well so first of all uh, there is no year over year decline e-commerce is still growing it's just not growing as much as what a lot of people are, have anticipated um, but it's still growing. Um, in fact, you know, last month I think it grew about 30% or so, so it's not too shabby. It's just expectations a lot higher given very, very easy comps when COVID first hit. Um, but now you're going to see much harder comps as you go into Q2. Uh, but the stock-wise on e-commerce, uh, generally they it's hard to say because regulation is – to me, is the main theme that's been the big cloud over all these companies, including e-commerce and all the Internet giants that that occupy that space. Um, But if you take regulation aside, which is really hard to do, I would say the stocks have been pretty resilient before the print. Um, And then they kind of sell off a little bit after the print hit because they realize e-commerce is growing, you know, it's, it's definitely slowing down. And then offline is is accelerating. So it's interesting. Yeah, yeah we looked
0: at we yeah. looked at some data recently for our hted Ted that um, was, you know our our pro subs got this week, um, and um, it basically showed like we tried to use you know uh, Keith's base effect model. Um, to sort of predict, and th- it does look like the data for Q1 looks very strong for e-commerce, or at least the data we correlated to still looks very strong year over year. Um, but then for Q2, it looks like it's going to be flattish year over year for Q2 year in in Q221 here in Q2 the So I, it's interesting. I'm, I'm I am wondering like how I, I do think the market has pulled back somewhat in anticipation of that, or at least the stocks have pulled back. And so the question is when they print those guidances or whatever the results over the next you know coming months, will they will the stocks go down or is that in expectations? That's that's kind of that was one question. Because I, I think overall when we look at the data, yeah, it's a tough comparison, but it's still like some pretty really great like numbers. Like just thinking about, you know, the world and what one could have anticipated two years ago and, and thought about where we would be, it's still good overall. But I hear you, and I think maybe it's, it's kind of not one quarter of difficult comps. It's probably four quarters of tough comps before a real year-over-year growth rate starts to emerge, right? Starting in Q2 all the way through Q1 of next year will be um, tough comps. Let me ask you about um, two things. One is the revenge spending um, that you talked about. What's in that bucket uh, is question one. And then question two is with the travel bug, where where are the Chinese going? Are they traveling just inside of China, or because if are they vaccinated, or are people just traveling because COVID is gone? Like where could they go? Like there's so many countries who are way behind China on travel. Even the United States, I don't think would be, I don't know how open the borders are right now for for that. So I, I anyway, do you have a thought, Russell? Like where where are people going? Where are people traveling to?
1: Yeah, great question. So, revenge spending uh when I think about that. It's basically two buckets. One is restaurant sales. Uh people going to go buy bubble tea, uh going out and eating out. The other the other bucket is uh apparel and footwear. Um for for revenge spending because those two categories last year basically didn't see any sales. They actually saw massive declines because nobody was going out. No one has shown no one has no one has anyone to show off to right on their clothes and their apparel, so you know those sales were 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 pretty bad. It was actually one of our thesis points on Alibaba short last year uh just because they're more um you know they're more concentrated in that apparel um side of the business so I see that you know picking up now, particularly on apparel so that's that's good news and then to answer your second question um Yes, there are still major restrictions outside of China. So as a result, people are just traveling inside of China. So domestic travel is is really, really picking up. People are going sightseeing, going to you know see their families who they haven't seen in over a year if they were uh, affected by COVID. Um, vaccines are still ongoing, um, I would say. Not everybody has been vaccinated yet uh that's just a process um and this is kind of a aside. i mean but it's actually one of the major reasons why education companies are feeling the heat because they have to you know they have to uh abide by new regulations now, and one of them is everybody has to be vaccinated at the centers so that's the ongoing process uh in china but not many con- You know, from people I I talk to, from what I see in the media, no one's concerned right now with what's going on with COVID um, because there's really very, very few cases. Um, But, yeah, hopefully I answered your questions on that. Um, But I I was, you know, I was was curious uh, because I I know from your side, on the U.S. side, uh, you know, Again, it's really good news that we have the vaccine now. What are where, where are you seeing um, trend, whether it's in e-commerce or whether it's from some of the work, work from home names that you follow? Um, how is you know management reacting to more of a normalized environment these days? I wouldn't say it's normal yet, right? But hopefully, very soon it'll be more of a normalized environment. Yeah, I.
0: Um it, so so basically if i if i take that question and just like go right to zoom for example <laughs> um, um, you know we're if you look at what happened for zoom and just looking at our our tracker numbers right for example in uh 2017 um zoom had like a daily transaction rate of around 5000 uh a year later it was around six thousand um, uh, then they really took off and um you know in twenty well sorry in twenty nineteen it was more like you know thirteen fourteen fifteen thousand um, and if we um, if we then look at you know then what happened in the beginning of twenty twenty right. Bef- right before covid hit um you were in february was still like high teens thousand daily transaction rate um, and then by april of last year was 150 over 150,000 daily transactions happening for zoom these are like the transactions we we measure are um actual invoices that go out From Zoom, so this is tracking like the number of like amount of invoices or transactions they're having, like financial transactions they're having by from their customers per day. Um, So it crossed 150,000 in April of 2020, and when we got into May, it was already over 200,000. And when we fast forward to now, a year later. it's over 200,000 it's consistent with you know on average it's you know it, it's been up and down a little bit I mean the data moves a little bit but you're we're we're flattening like the zoom number of transactions year over year is a lot flatter now from starting from April May so it will be um, zoom can grow because companies might still be going from 50, 50 seats to 150 seats when they renew. Um, they may be adding uh, Zoom Webinar, for example, which adds uh, dollars. Um, and more and more companies are uptaking voice, which is like the phone replacement thing. I'm, t- I'm talking too much about Zoom, sorry. But I'm, I guess I'm trying to think. I'm just trying to go with that question about work from home. Um Yeah, it's creating a much slower base of growth for the company and slower growth uh, for the company usually involves a a lower multiple. So I think think that thinking through kind of like the category, you had a lot of digital transformation was pulled forward, in part because you had spending shift to e-commerce. So things like Zendesk, for example, were big beneficiaries because – you know small companies who didn't really have support and ticketing software for e commerce were just using like an inbox right, and then their sales blew up and they needed something more sophisticated, so on a lag, as soon as they saw that okay, this is sustaining, they went out and bought something um so something like Zendesk you know benefited or they upgraded what they had you know they they had something small and they upgraded um so that was good um or you had um like you said not everybody was ready to go online and so you had a surge of companies looking at shopify and wix and e-commerce and now fast forward a year um maybe that's not as topical right like the, the, the this part of the of the commerce or commercial transformation side is maybe not as topical for enterprises today for spending. So it's, um, this, these are very, very big drivers. Now when it, um, when we look at the broader digital transformation, when it comes to like having, getting rid of old processes and making the companies more nimble, that's really what digital transformation started a long time before COVID. Right. Um, it wasn't just about e-commerce. It was trying to be more nimble and more agile to be able to open up new markets, to be able to open up more demand, to be able to take share, to be able to have higher margins, all these things, this technology-based acceleration, all that continues. There's still a long way to go um, with, you know, even, even something old already, like the cloud, the shift to the cloud, there's still a long way to go. And we showed, for example, in our data that Amazon Web Services continues to Be like a powerhouse accelerator, like at a huge scale in terms of the data, continues to be very positive. So, cloud, even that continues to power forward. APIs are still early um, in terms of getting used across the enterprise. Machine learning is very early, very early. Um, RPA, which UiPath just went public, is super early, Uh, you know, kind of very, very small percent penetration in terms of workloads. So, I think there's still a long road here of positives. And a lot more like software new software creation like there's a lot of um, businesses that can be created in software in part because of changes that happened in 2018 and some changes that happened in 2016 and some that happened in 2010 and so there's like an accelerating pace at which you can create software and consume software so the there's a lot of that means the adoption curves are like up into the right for the most part But it's, I agree, there's some kind of, there's some low here, there's some, there's some factor here in the reopening that um, shifts attention maybe a little bit for a short period of time away from, or or maybe it's like a couple of multiple turns, away from these stocks, away from software, and into other areas. Uh, One of the other areas that benefits is communications equipment, uh, for example, with uh, shift to 5G, shift to broadband, shift to all these things, but that's, um, that's kind of like a maybe a separate part of the conversation.
1: That's great. I, I actually have some follow-up questions to to your explanation. So um, first on Zoom, I, I guess, because i have always curious on what you think about teleconferencing now um, because, you know, things are going back to normal sort of, but people are still working from home. And I just talked to a client the other day, Ami, that he wanted me to download WebEx. I didn't even know what that was at that time um, it, it, I mean this is kind of a side question, but is Webex a to Zoom? are they using the kind of the similar software um but my general question is you know do you see people going back to going back to the office uh to work um, now that you know we have the vaccine, and I think that's that's a very important question that a lot of people are asking, right? Because um, curious to hear your thoughts there. So that's my first question. My second question is on you. You, you mentioned e-commerce um, players like Spotify. Do you see the smaller, medium merchants kind of change their behavior um, after all the reopening? Because um, I'm curious on that question because in China it's kind of um, kind of a mixed uh, reaction. But I wonder if, if there's been a general, you know, broader theme here in the U.S.
0: What, on the last question, what do you mean by the change in behavior? Like, what's the, like, what do you, tell me what you're thinking. I, I don't really understand the question.
1: Uh, you know, what I mean is, you know, uh, as more merchants get attracted to digitalization, looking for digital tools, rather than, you know, try to do everything from a brick and mortar perspective, right? And then Shopify helps those small businesses if I understand the business correctly. Um so I wonder if, you know, are they still thinking that as the best way to to do their business, which is through a digital channel. Or, you know, are they still kind of uh Want to be more old-fashioned and open, more of a brick-and-mortar kind of type of business. Now that people are coming back and foot foot traffic is coming back, that's kind of my question. I, Hopefully, that makes I don't more think, sense.
0: Yeah, I don't think we've seen. I mean, the brick-and-mortar question probably good question to ask. You know, some of our peers like Howard Penny, um, but it in 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 Brian and and um, people who whose you know the coverage areas are you know square foot. Um, square footage uh, oriented. I don't think we've seen that uh, from what I understand. Um, I, I, we might, you know, if like, for example, like retail sales per square foot go through the roof. I, I think it's more like this is more a period where the concept of retail selling is changing a little bit. Um, and there's the digitization element is penetrating even there in terms of how people shop how they check out the connection to online uh, online to offline um connections and digital selling is becoming in that sense more sophisticated right it's not just like oh i have a website i sell now you have to have multi channel so you're you're linked to everything through aws uh, excuse me through amazon.com e-commerce you're linked to ebay you're linked to your own dropship fulfillment you're linked to your store you're linked to um, You're linked to all the customer channels where people might be inquiring for something whether it's a website or whatsapp or text message with a with a customer service representative Um, So this or chat session online There's greater sophistication happening from a digital side which has invaded the physical side and so for now I still see the physical side getting upgraded to meet the digital side to be one of the digital channels, the expression, so that it's not like you've got two separate lines of business competing with each other, that they're both working in sync and your customer experience across them is consistent and you have data and analysis and and interaction and engagement across all of that rather than siloed businesses so I think if anything you're getting a greater level of sophistication um, on that side what was the first question I'm sorry I'm I'm blanking now
1: Uh, I I was just asking more on the teleconferencing side Uh, oh yeah if when people go back to work do you think habits will change um, now that people are more comfortable working from home
0: I think zoom is zoom and so first of all, Webex yes is a a competitor to uh, zoom um, actually, the founder of Zoom, Eric, was the vice president of engineering for WebEx. WebEx was then acquired by Cisco and tortured, uh, meaning the product was tortured. Uh, the people probably were tortured a little bit too and atrophied and whatever. <laughs> and um, Eric decided that um, life could be better than that and products can be better than that. And he left Cisco to compete. With WebEx, his old product, and create something new. And for a long time, Cisco ignored him because they sort of quote unquote dominated the enterprise market, the large spending for WebEx. And WebEx was a tool that was sold as part of uh, large enterprise sales with uh, large dollars and big IT service expenditures and all those other things. And, um, uh, and, um, um, and, and complicated interfaces and needs to be provisioned by an administrator and, the, you know, who's trained on it and all that kind of stuff. So they ignored Zoom. Zoom came out of nowhere. Zoom started winning like crazy. And already before the pandemic, WebEx looked over its shoulder and realized that oops. So they totally redid their product. They totally redid their go to market. They totally redid their business to try to catch, uh, Zoom and, Got to somewhat feature parity uh, to some degree by 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 April of 2020, right? They were already close and close close on on, on pricing, but um, but it was too late. Uh, it was too late. They had lost, and so they they've become. Uh, I would say I don't know if they've come. I, I think they've become much less relevant. But they I don't know if they've. Um, uh, shed customers exactly but they haven't grown in this amazing leap forward that you've seen for new competitors zoom and Microsoft teams and Google meet um, have all taken huge leaps uh, over the last year like exponential growth and and WebEx is one of the tools one of the tools in the category that is atrophied and not really participated in the upside on the um, other teleconferencing question about I think that it's a good point. I think uh, as long as we're in like a hybrid work environment, I think internal teams will still communicate with each other often enough on this way via some sort of hosted tool. And I think at least for the time being, as long as the human resources departments at medium to large size companies all decide that for compliance reasons they're not reopening uh, meetings with customers directly face-to-face or in person or whatever it is, they're not sanctioning that and travel to con- physical conferences and things like that are not being sanctioned yet, or, or at least not yet, then I think the main way for interfacing with customers and partners and channel, et cetera, is still going to be this kind of Zoom or the tool, Zoom or Teams or, or Google Meet or somebody, something like that, um, or WebEx. And um, so for now, I still think that is a, I think you, your your question is probably good about like what happens, let's say a year from now, when all of that is kind of returned to some form of normalcy, right? Um, what is the engagement level and the usage rate for something like Zooms and Zoom and, and, and where is it two years from now, right? A year from now, people might still be thinking like, oh yeah. It wasn't that long ago we were using that tool actively. Let's keep it around because it's a good tool. And then two years from now, people might be like, you know, we haven't gotten on to Zoom in a long time. So there might be a tougher path there. You're right. I mean, it's, it's an interesting question to think about the arc of adoption and then um, risks on the adoption of the future. I think Zoom itself is, has a second product um, that is arriving or that is growing very fast right now that maybe makes them very relevant even two, three years from now. Um but I and Teams obviously is a much wider product than that and Google has a much wider product than that. But yeah, I think it's a race forward for Zoom to not just launch new product, but maybe acquire a couple of products that they could um extend um to extend their growth path over the coming years.
1: Great. Um thank you for that clarity. Um, I know this is a very hot topic these days as people get back to work. Um, so we'll see what happens in the, in the next year.
0: So we'll wrap it up here. Uh, Thank you everybody for joining us for this installment of our podcast, Unscripted Equity Curiosity. We'll be back to you with another one in a couple of weeks.
1: The preceding has been presented for informational purposes only. None of the information contained herein constitutes an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security or investment vehicle, nor does it constitute an investment recommendation or legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice by Hedgeye or any of its employees, officers, agents, or guests. This information is presented without regard for individual investment preferences or risk parameters and is general, non-tailored, non-specific information. This content is based on information from sources believed to be reliable. Hedgeye is not responsible for errors, inaccuracies, or omissions of information. The opinions and conclusions contained in this report are those of the individual expressing those opinions and conclusions and are intended solely for the use of Hedgeye subscribers and the authorized recipients of the content. Content. All investments entail a certain degree of risk, and financial instrument prices can fluctuate based on several factors, including those not considered in the preparation of the content. Consult your financial professional before investing. The information contained herein is protected by United States and foreign copyright laws and is intended solely for the use of its authorized recipient. Access must be provided directly by Hedgeye. Redistribution or republication is strictly prohibited. For more detail, please refer to the Terms of Service at hedgeye.com of service